knowing what you believe and why you believe it lies at the very heart of Christian experience, worship, and everyday living. The Bible's not about you. You're not David. Trouble in life is not Goliath. Jesus is going to be David in the shadow. Goliath is going to be sin and death. Who's that make you? Uh, and it doesn't make you the Israelites in the corner going, he's going to kill all of us. That's exactly who you are. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I, with body and soul, life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Gospel is that God the Son freely agreed to die our death for us, to suffer our deserved condemnation and doom in our place. And he did, didn't just agree from eternity to do it, he actually did it. It is fatal, fatal for us to think that we can ever move on from the gospel. The great problem in the evangelical church today where the scripture is concerned is not the inerrancy of the Bible. The great problem in the evangelical church today is the sufficiency of scripture. We don't think it's sufficient to do what we have to do. So we have to wake up to what's happening and recognize that the problem really is our lack of theology. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. So this is Thanksgiving week, Ashley. So yeah, I was is. kind of thinking about that last night. Not really a Thanksgiving episode, but... No. Well, so my students were complaining to me this week that I was playing Christmas music. And they were like, you really should be playing Thanksgiving music. And I was like, if you can find me Thanksgiving music, I will play it. But I don't think it exists. I have Not a Thanksgiving that, playlist on Spotify. Just do you? Yes. Is it just like is it just like songs about being thankful or? Um. Yeah. Well, it's primarily there's actually if you look on Spotify, look up Thanksgiving. There's mm -hmm. actually several. Um. There's there's several CDs primarily hymns about being thankful. I mean that's okay. Probably can't play that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I, w I had made it last year as kind of a background music playlist for Thanksgiving dinner. Okay. So. All right. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's not very long because there's not that many hymns. Yeah. Um, Thanksgiving hymns, but yeah. let's see, come, we thankful people come. Oh, okay. There's that one, I don't know what the name of it is, but it's like, we plow the fields and scatter that one. <laughs> I don't know, I'm not going to sing it. Well, that's I mean, I adorable. Can sing. I'm not going to sing it now, but yeah. our family actually does a hymn sing on, likes to do a hymn sing on holidays. So wow. Thanksgiving, we like to sing the, all the Thanksgiving hymns. There's another one too we always do. But so this week, I, I don't remember who brought it up, but somebody asked about youth groups. Yes. And it was kind of interesting discussion. Uh -huh. what, what do you think, Ashley? Um, well, I grew up in youth group, so um, there's that. Uh, I've kind of gone back and forth on it, though, as an adult, where I feel I felt at times I do not like youth groups because it it sometimes seems like parents are expecting other people to disciple their kids. Um, but I think that's actually the experience I had in certain churches. Um, and then I felt 
you know, well, I feel very strongly that kids should be in church with their parents. And I've been at churches where the um, youth group is during the worship service. Really? Uh, yeah. Well, that and that's how I, I grew up not going to church with my parents. I went to, I went to youth group. So I feel very strongly about that. But that's actually not how all youth groups are. So it's not fair to say like all youth groups are bad because I think there's a time and a place for youth group, for kids to hang out and have some older adults there to kind of mentor them. Um, and someone made this point, and I, I agree with it, that some some kids would never go to a church service on Sunday. But if you invite them to the Tuesday night, you know, hangout or whatever it is, uh, they might go to that. And that might be their, you know, introduction to the church. And maybe someday they will be, um, okay, I'll, I'll go to church on Sunday and hear more about this kind of thing. I, I have a couple friends who, you know, are now faithful members of their church. And they started just by going on Tuesday nights to the thing, you know, the youth group thing. So um, I'm for them, but with a caveat, I guess is what I could say. I, I think I would, I would agree with you. I, when I first became reformed, I, I think I too quickly took what tended to be the popular reformed view of some mm -hmm. things. And so there was a big, it was kind of a big anti-youth group thing mm -hmm. that happened and so you know my husband and i are like yeah that probably aren't for youth group or whatever but as our children got older and then our church it didn't have maybe a youth group it, like the one that i grew up in but it did have they did have a um let's see when my they did have somebody that kind of led the youth sunday school and they would get together on i don't know tuesday or wednesday nights and it was really good for my sons and so i saw that there was there was benefit it should never be in you know what your kids youth group should not be the primary place where your children are are learning scripture um and things like that i think that maybe when you and i grew up and a lot of times kids were sending their or parents were sending their kids to youth group. They'll get their Bible there, but you should be having family worship and, and teaching your children and they should be hearing the preach word on Sunday mornings, sitting next to you. You know, sometimes I, in the, one of the churches that I went to growing up, the youth would all sit together during church. That was not a good idea because we did not pay attention. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. My parents wouldn't actually, I only did it a couple times because my mom said, no, you're sitting with me. So, but I think that there can be benefit. I think you actually brought up a good thing. I used, I, I had good youth groups growing up. I really did both at the church that I was at in Florida and, and then at, in, I, I lived in Florida just for three years. The rest of the time I lived in Corona and then then at um the church i grew up in in fact our guest today her husband and i were in youth group together which is kind of funny we even talked about small this world. i didn't think about that um yeah small world and we had i had good youth groups and i will say that it was youth group that that really encouraged my my love of theology 
we really, we really learned a lot. I'll never forget my, a friend of mine in high school, I'll say his name, Russ. <laughs> he ended up going to Westminster Seminary actually. And, and then I think he's a Reformed Baptist pastor now, or I think he was a youth pastor, but he, he taught something one night. He wanted to teach one night and he taught us about the canon. And I was so interesting. I'll never forget that. And I just wanted to learn more. Hmm. Like, how did we get all of these books of the Bible? And it was, I was in my church in Florida that I, um, that they were teaching about the rapture and, and all of that. And we did this whole series and I would stay after and go up to the youth pastor. So show me exactly where you're getting all of this in scripture. And I would look and look and I would say, are, are you, are you sure that's what it says? But it really encouraged me to go and make sure that everything I believed was consistent with scripture. I did not believe that by the way, but so I think, I think there can be benefits. And I loved inviting my, my unsaved friends to youth group. I was, you know, more apt to invite them there than Sunday morning church. Right. Yeah. Especially I think going to a reformed church for a kid who's never even gone to church in their life uh, might be a lot going to a Sunday morning worship, you know? Right. And um, Sunday morning worship isn't really, I mean, it's for the believer anyways. Right. So yeah. an unbeliever will feel, should feel, you know, uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have heard, you know, critics of youth groups say, you know, we can't be surprised our kids are leaving the church when we never taught them to be a part of the church. I don't know who said that, but that's, you know, a rough quote from somebody. Um, and I do think like, if you have a youth group, you know, you still need to teach your kids how to worship, you know, in the worship service, um, on Sunday morning and, and raise them doing that. So, when they're, you know, I think, I think when they get older, if you've been in kids church, um, your whole, you know, you're in kids church and then you moved up to youth group and then you moved into college group. And then all of a sudden you're 23, 24, you're out of college. You're completely disconnected from the church body because you've been in this little enclave, you know, within the church, uh, but you weren't really connected to the church as a whole. And, um, I just seen personally, that's when a lot of people, people are gone. And I understand like, there's the whole, like, you know, are they truly saved or, you know, were they just going to church all these years, that kind of thing. But, um, I've seen that happen in large numbers. Um, I don't know if you've experienced that Colleen. Yeah. And I would say it's important for our kids to be in church from the time they're young. You and I have talked before about how so many churches, children, you know, have a children's church. And, you know, I I visited churches, not Presbyterian or Reformed, but other churches where I, you know, on our on our travels, we, we try to find a Presbyterian or Reformed church, but sometimes there's not one nearby and we'll visit a church and people give us dirty looks by having our church, our kids in the service and, mm -hmm. and our kids, you know, always did well for the most part where they don't include all of it. But I think when you said, uh, you know, offering a, a caveat to it, I would say 
that I think youth group is okay as long as it's not at the expense of things that are more important. And I don't think you have to have a youth group, but I think I think a youth group can can be okay and be well done, but it should not be at the expense of other things. It should not it should not be more important than the worship service. It should not it should not be the primary place where your children are learning theology. So there's and it should be and it should have a leader who knows what they're doing, you know, not just some random person. Yeah. Um, I think it should be, it should have the oversight of the, of the pastor and elders. Mm-hmm. As with anything in the church, you know, I think about when we do a women's Bible study, we actually give the book to our pastor to make sure, and he, he takes it to a session meeting and the pastor and elders look it over and say, okay, then they've, they've never said no that I know of, but, <laughs> but everything like that. So a past a pastor and elders should know what's being taught and they shouldn't, I think so often I see youth groups as kind of their own entity, like this separate church that does whatever mm-hmm. they want. It should not be that. So I think youth groups can be done poorly, but I think they can be done well. Yeah. That's what I would say. Well, I'm excited about today's guest because I I think even this very week, somebody posted in the group that she has a difficult time making friendships in the church. And I want to highly recommend this book. I, somebody, uh, the publisher sent me one. It is, it's the best book on friendship that I think is out there, especially from a Christian perspective. I mean, it's really, this is, this is an excellent, excellent book. If, even if you're somebody who says, I want to develop those friendships, I think start with this book because you can be proactive in, in starting these friendships. I think about when my kids when my kids were really little, I didn't even have all my children yet. My husband and I started attending a church and we decided we, it was a small church. We made a list of every family in the church and decided we're going to have people over to our home and you for, you know, and so for the next year, it took us a year. We invited people from the church over to our home, you know, after church on Sunday you can do things like that to begin to cultivate relationships. And if you're somebody who doesn't know where to start, you can do things, call, you know, make a list of some women in the church you'd like to get to know and, and start calling them and ask if you can meet for coffee. Cause that's where these friendships start. They start with, with, with small things. So I just wanted to say that because I know women will say, I just don't know where to start. And I think Christina's book, will help with this a lot. So, This podcast is a member of the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. All right, welcome everybody to another podcast episode with Semper Reformanda Radio. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. Welcome everyone to the Logical Belief Ministries podcast. Well, welcome to School of Biblical Harmonetics. Welcome everybody to Grappling with Theology. What is going on, guys? Shine as lights coming at you. Well, welcome to Slick answers good evening and welcome to conversations from the port on Christ's side. 
Hello and welcome to Living in the Vine. This is the Council of Google Plus. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bible Thumping Wingnut Podcast. The Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. 12 podcasts, one network. Check them out at BibleThumpingWingnut.com. And we are back with our guest, Christina Fox, and we're going to talk to her about her new book, Closer Than a Sister, How Union with Christ Helps Friendships to Flourish. So, Christina, this just came out in the last couple of months, right? Yes, the beginning of October. And I guess first, why did you write this book? Was there something that you said, this is a book that, I mean, I don't think a lot of books, especially kind of from a reform perspective, exists like this. Well, I mean, partly it was born out of my own experiences of um, trying to develop community and friendship um, in my local church. Um, I, I think that we're all kind of longing for deeper connections with others in the church, but don't quite know what that looks like or maybe how to go about it. Um, some have had bad experiences in the church, which kind of linger with them as they go on to other churches and make it harder for them to trust people. Um, so I just really wanted to encourage women in the church um, that friendships, deeper friendships and connections with others is worth it, um, that it's worth the effort um, and the potential conflicts and things like that. Um, so why, why are friendships important? You're saying it's worth it. Could you like expand on that more? Like why are they important? Well, you know, all certainly all relationships with people that we have are important to one degree or another, whether it's family relationships or, you know, friends we knew growing up or um, relationships in our work environment. Um, but I think that our friendships in the church have a special importance. Um, one that I highlight, and it's kind of written right in the title of the book, is is our unity um, with one another through Christ. Um, as believers, we're united um, to Christ uh, through faith in what he did for us. Um, and then, you know, once we kind of become a part of this um, family of God, we are then united to one another um, through our adoption. Um, you know, God is our father, uh, Christ our elder brother, and then each, you know, each of us are brothers and sisters um, in Christ. And, you know, unlike other relationships that are, um, you know, kind of temporary, um, at least in terms of this life, um, these are relationships we're going to have for all eternity. Um, so I think it is important that we develop them and, um, you know, learn and grow from one another. I also think that they're important because God uses all of us in the body together um, in our shaping of, you know, in shaping ourselves, um, in encouraging us, um, in kind of helping us grow in our faith. Um, God uses each one of us to kind of rub up against each other and um, develop those changes and growth. Um, so really, we can't be like a lone ranger in the church. We're just not, it's not made, it's not made that way. So. Yeah. And you, you kind of, with the first answer referred to women have had some, some bad 
experiences with friendships in the church. And for, for those women, just to kind of expound on that, for those women, can you offer some encouragement to those that maybe just are having a difficult time developing those relationships and trusting women? Yes, and I, I can relate to that. Um, I, I mentioned that several times in the book, just some of my own um, challenges and experiences of whether it's being rejected or, um, you know, having uh, losing friendships through, um, you know, the way sometimes our churches kind of divide and split apart and um, those relationships aren't what they were anymore. Um, so I definitely can relate to that. Um, and I can relate to the desire to be, you know, kind of protective and, and not want to go through something like that again of um, just not trusting um, other people. Um, I understand that because we are all sinful and more than likely we are going to hurt one another in some way. Um, and so I definitely relate to that. Um, but I, I do think that, um, you know, just when you read um, scripture and just how Christ um, dealt with people and dealt with his own relationships, even with the disciples and those who rejected him or walked away from him, I think that we can definitely learn that he's called us to, um, to unity despite the obstacles and the conflicts and um, that when we push hard and work hard and do all that we can to maintain unity that it really it speaks to the world of who Christ is and what he came to do. That's a good point that like our our friendships in the church should look so different than than friendships in the world or with people and that aren't in the church. Um, yeah, that's just a good point. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, a lot of times we give up pretty quickly on each other in in much the same way that the world does. You know, you you do me wrong. I'm I'm over. I'm over it. I'm done. Um, and that's kind of that's e easy to do. I mean, I I have done that myself. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think that really the sake of unity is worth just keep trying and um, just you know, just keep um, moving forward and um, just trying to make it work. Yeah. You know, it reminds me recently, um, someone in our church had a baby. This doesn't directly relate to friendship, but someone in our church had a baby and, you know, we did like a meal train for her and I had to bring the casserole with me to work so that I could take it to her after work. And one of my coworkers saw me carrying the casserole and she's like, what are you doing? You know, I was like, oh, well, we do this meal train, you know, every time someone has a baby. And I was just kind of explaining to her like the church thing and like the look on her face, you know, as someone who's had kids and, and things like that, she just could not believe. She's like, you guys do this every time someone has a baby. Like, <laughs> like it just was so different to her than, than what her experience had been, you know, just in the world and just having a baby. And I'm sure sometimes people help, but not always, but in our yeah. church, we always do. And so, um, that was just cool for me to see like, oh yeah, that is really different 
than maybe how worldly relationships are. So. Yeah, definitely. And I, and even that act of making a meal, because <laughs> I've done a number of those and, um, it's, it's, it's a small thing, but even in, in our busy lives, that small thing can be a kind of sacrifice um, and interruption to our day. Um, but being willing to do that, I think, you know, certainly speaks wonders to the person that you're doing it for and also to others who might witness it, that no matter how small the, um, the act of service is, it's, it's important. And I, for one, cried. Um, after my two weeks of meals. <laughs> so for, <laughs> They're like, said more. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, I actually was thinking when you guys were talking, when I, I had emergency appendix surgery, had to, and I, at the time I had like a three, five, seven and nine year old. And in the middle of the night, my husband's rushed me to the hospital and I was in the hospital for a couple of days. And when I got home from the hospital, two women from church were in my home cooking meals for the week to put in our fridge, making sure the house was clean and caring for my children, even doing the laundry. And that's something in the church, that kind of that sense of community that you often see. So what are, how should our relationships with our sisters in Christ look? Um, yeah. So, I like to kind of uh, describe the book in terms of um, it being divided into three parts. And, you know, the first part is um, kind of the why of sisterhood. Why are we sisters? And that's, you know, that goes back to our unity. And then kind of the what of sisterhood. What does sisterhood look like? And so there are, you know, when you go through scripture and you read the admonitions on how we are to treat one another in the church, there's many of them. Um, but the ones I, that I focused on are um, first that uh, sisters serve one another, just as you both described. That's what we do for one another. Um, you know, in serving one another, we're in fact serving Christ. Um, and then secondly, I talk about um, mourning together. Uh, we, you know, we are united to one another such that the pain that you're experiencing becomes my pain. And so I sit with you in the dust and ashes of grief and whatever you might be going through. Um, and so mourning together is something we do. We also rejoice together. Um, so the good things, the blessings that God has given in your life um, become mine. And um, I rejoice with you over, you know, the success in your work or ministry or, you know, the new child that you're going to have or all those things. Um, I also talk about um, exhorting one another. We, um, our relationships should be one. Um, especially in our more uh, deeper connections that we have with people, uh, we should exhort one another. Um, that means, you know, we remind each other of the gospel. We um, shine a light into dark areas of our lives, and, and then we encourage one another to walk forward in the faith. Um, we disciple one another. You know, I talk about um, some Titus two relationships, you know, of um, just... Where older women help 
younger women, you know, to apply the gospel to all areas of life. Um, and then I also talk about growing together. God gives, you know, each one of us gifts. And as we all use them in the church, you know, it helps the body to grow. Hmm. Um, so those are the different areas that I talk about in the book. Um, something that it has been helpful for me. Um, I was at a church once where I just felt like everyone was so encouraging and people would actually point out to you what your gifts were. Because sometimes it's hard. I think like we're awfully critical of ourselves and we don't really see. And so I think that's so helpful for friends to be like, hey, I've noticed you're just really good at hospitality. Like you're really gifted in that area, you know? I think that's like so encouraging to like our sisters who, you know, we're just so hard on ourselves. Um, we often don't think we're gifted in anything, you know? Um, so yeah, I just think that's really helpful. And we often highlight and admire the more prominent gifts or, you know, things that we see, whether it's, you know, someone singing in worship or um, teaching a Bible study, you know, those kind of gifts are, you know, more admired and, and we sometimes can value those a little bit more than um, the, the woman who rocks the babies in the nursery or mm. who prepares the coffee and, and some of those more behind the scenes kind of gifts um, right. that we, you know, I think that we should encourage um, all of our gifts as needed and necessary, yeah. no matter how small they might be or yeah. seemingly. We have a lot of gals who are maybe haven't been Christians for very long and maybe have only even been in the church for a few years. And I think this would be helpful. How, how do our relationships with our sisters in Christ differ from our relationships with people who are not Christians? That's a great question. I mean, I think that we certainly all, all friendships kind of start in, in a similar way of, you know, finding that we have certain things in common you know, common experiences or common likes or dislikes and those kind of things. But um, ultimately what we share with a Christian friend and versus a non-Christian friend is that we're united spiritually to one another. So it's really that spiritual aspect of our friendship that um, is unique, um, that we share the same faith, the same um, purpose, in faith, like in our life, that we're not just living for this world, you know, we're, we have an eternal perspective that, um, you know, our desires to glorify God in our life um, and see the gospel move forward. Um, so it's that, uh, it's a deeper connection. It's more than just, you know, that we both love 80s music or something like that. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, when I was in college, a lot of people in my college group would say, uh, unbelievers shouldn't be your best friends. Like as a Christian, I know this is like not on the, the list. Uh, what do you think about that? That's a very good question. I Sorry, I kind of just... I, I would agree. <laughs> I, I think I would tend to agree with that because... Um, I mean, your non-Christian friends are not going to, I mean, in theory, would not be with you forever. 
um, and you don't have that um, same vision and a longing to be like Christ. And, you know, I, um, I've often um, had this picture in my mind of how, you know, if you were to stand on a, let's say you're standing on a table, um, it's easier to, and uh, your friend, let's say, is on the floor, it's easier for them to pull you off the table than for you to pull them up onto the table. Mm -hmm. And so in that way, I think um, we can be pretty easily, more easily influenced, I guess. Um, but that doesn't mean that we should not have any non-Christian friends, you know, mm -hmm. because, you know, we can share the gospel with people and then they become Christians and then, you know, their relationship <laughs> is that way. But yeah. um, I think that the people that we are most uh, connected to and share the deepest uh, struggles and sorrows and, and all those things, only a Christian could really understand hmm. and, and truly be able to help us through that. The other thing I was thinking of, Kristen, when you were talking about that is our, fr our Christian friendships are really very separate. The things that you talk about in your book, I, I don't think a non-Christian fr friend can mourn with you when you lose someone or you're suffering in some way um, or encourage you and point you to Christ and some of those different things. Hmm. And so I think there's an intimacy with your would you say there's an intimacy that you can have with your Christian sisters that you can't really have with someone who's not in Christ? Yeah. Yes. And, you know, you think about, um, you know, when your biological family is together and, you know, you have this shared history, but also that, I don't know, that, that common uh, DNA where, you know, you know why you're, your brother does that because that's what your dad does. And, and you know, you kind of share that, you know, you laugh about it or, or you make the same little phrases that your mom does or, or whatever. And um, I think that as Christians, you know, uh, we share the blood of Christ. And so we um, kind of look like him and, and, and image him and, and all of those things. And that's something that you can't relate to a non-Christian about. Um, so I agree, definitely. Mm -hmm. So what does it mean that we are united with Christ in our Christian friendships? Well, our, our friendships um, with one another in the church originate in him. They start with him. Um, we're united to him first, um, then to one another. Um, and so that means that, you know, we as we abide in him, then we can be a friend to someone else in the church. Um, you know, as we receive kind of his love and spiritual nourishment from um, prayer and the word and all of that, then we can then, you know, share that um, with another sister. Um, so it, it kind of starts there. You know, we can, you know, Christ is our first friend and then we, um, can then reach out and um, love and serve another sister. Um, I think especially we have a lot of women who, who in our group will say, I just have a very difficult time making close friendships in church. But what are some ways that we can do life together and maybe even be 
guess, proactive in developing those sorts of relationships? That's a great, great question. And, and that's kind of, you know, a little bit of the book kind of refers to some of, you know, my own uh, journey in that because I, I sort of expected the church to create community for me, you know, that I would just pop right on, on in and, and there it is and it's all there. And, you know, while God God has created the church and he creates that community. He's chosen who is part of it, you know, who my brothers and sisters are. Um, I do think that we have to cultivate it. Um, and like you said, there's some intentionality to that. And so there's certainly a number of practical things we can do. Um, and I think that, you know, some of those fun fellowship events that, you know, we might um at times maybe look down on because they seem so maybe simple or, you know, like, why are we doing this? You know, it, you kind of have to start there at that kind of um, just general fellowship times um, and taking advantage of whatever your church does offer in that way. Um, but that's, uh, it's kind of, I think of those as a means to, um, going deeper and, and engaging in spiritual um, spiritual friendship. Um, so I don't think of those fellowship events, you know, as the end in and of itself. I think that, you know, we take the time to get to know people casually there and then we move on to, you know, um, inviting a few of those sisters and saying, hey, I, I just got this, you know, new book about, I don't know, uh, spiritual growth or um, some aspect of faith. And I'd like some, you know, I'd like a few of us to read it together. Would you be interested in joining me? And we could meet over coffee periodically as we go through it and talk about it. Or, um, you know, looking for those people who are new and on the outside and, and you know, who you don't know and inviting them, you know, hey, I noticed that you're not involved or, you know, don't seem to have connections here, come on over for dinner and, um, you know, open your heart and home to someone else. Um, so it's it's just those little steps, I think, of um, looking, basically looking to be the friend that you want rather than waiting for it to happen to you, um, I think makes a big difference. That's really great advice. Yes. Very That's good. really great advice. I've noticed too, um, as I've, because of moving and things like that, I've had to switch churches a couple times. And I went from being in a college group where we were all just best friends, hanging out all the time. Um, and then I moved and I was in a reformed church, which is a wonderful church, but there's only two or three young couples and a lot of older couples. And so I was like, struggling for a while because you want it to look just like it did in college, you know, <laughs> and trying to figure out like, how do I befriend people that um, are older than me or that just have very different walks of life? I mean, obviously they're sisters, but just are in totally different places. Like it's a challenge, you know, to try to figure out how to do that. Yeah, and I, you know, we are so segmented in um, terms of age and stage of life um, in, in so many different things. And I think that's one of the neat things about the church is just that 
you know, we're all united together in all of our ages and stages. And um, I have a, a life group that I host it in my house and we're a mixture of, you know, older and younger. And we just sit around the dinner table and find that we all laugh about the same things. We all enjoy similar things, even though they may be 20 or 30 years older than me or, or younger or whatever. And so I think that there is, you know, some hesitation to engage people of different ages and stages. But once you do, you realize that it's, you know, it's wonderful. Um, I, I've certainly have enjoyed those friendships that I've had with people of different ages and stages, and I've learned from them for sure. So would, would you, I guess, encourage women who are younger or women who are older to pursue, you know, not just women their own age, but really try to, you know, learn to know those in the church that are at different stages than them? Yes. And I think you'd be surprised by how blessed you would be from that. Mm -hmm. um, definitely. Yeah. Um, and, and older women, I think, um, would love to befriend younger women, but they often just feel like they're not desired or wanted, you know? And, mm -hmm. and so when they, you know, have that opportunity, um, I, it really kind of invigorates them and, and gives them some purpose and, um, you know, and they realize, yeah, people do really want to hear your stories and what God has done in your life over these decades. And you do have something to share. And, and that really, I mean, that really excites and, um, you know, gives them hope and, you know, and it's, it's just a really wonderful thing to watch happen. Yeah. I was talking to a gal from our group last night and she, she really, she's a younger woman and, but I was talking to her and I said, you have somebody older. She really needs somebody, you know, older in her life. And she said, well, I, I went to one woman and she's just really busy. So I, and I thought, and I said, why don't you ask, she wasn't sure who would be good. I said, why don't you ask your pastor if there's a woman that might be someone. And so I was thinking that would be a good idea, especially for maybe a younger woman who wants to have that sort of relationship and not really sure where to start asking your pastor Yes. Elders, you know, do you know of a woman that might be willing to have a relationship with me and come alongside me? I agree. Um, and that does happen. I mean, it's happened to me where, you know, you, you see someone you think you could have a connection with and then you ask them and for whatever reason, they're just not really able to. And that, you know, that can be discouraging and then maybe keep you from wanting to try again. But um, I do think it's worth trying again. And I, I think you're right that, you know, the leadership in the church can um, easily, I think, able to identify that woman who just really loves Christ and has that uh, spiritual wisdom that she can share. Well, I, I really appreciate this book so much. It's, it's such a, a really great book. I'm kind of wondering if you're planning on writing any anything else <laughs> well i i do have one uh manuscript i turned in recently um the working title is idols of a mother's heart um i don't know what the ultimate title will end up being but um so and i don't know the date when it will be published 
Okay. Well, that that sounds that sounds really 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 good. And for for any of our listeners who didn't hear Christina before, also check out her book A Heart Set Free. And you can I'll link our interview with her about that book. We we really appreciate you coming on and and talking about this cuz so many of our ladies this is something that I know they're struggling with and trying to develop relationships in the church and I think this is your book is a good place to start. Thank you. I appreciate it. I enjoyed talking with you guys. Looking for that perfect track for your next evangelism outreach? Look no further. At TrackPlanet.com, we have solid biblical tracks that are a breeze to hand out. They are beautifully designed and are the highest quality tracks available. With over 80 different designs in stock and literally hundreds more available by custom order, we're sure to have just the right one for you. You can get any of our items printed with your church or ministry information or have us design a brand new track just for you. We are committed to the solid biblical message of law to the proud and grace to the humble. Each tract is firm on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the necessity of repentance and faith in salvation. Come check us out at TrackedPlanet.com and make sure you use coupon code BTWN at checkout for 10% off your entire order. That's TRACTPlanet.com, coupon code BTWN. Okay, Ashley, I have something for our yeah about that. All right. I am looking forward to hearing this. And it's I don't think it's as blatant to some of the other things that we've done, done but I, I think it brings up an in- interesting topic. So I'm not going to say where this came from, but two words, a pair of floaties for anyone on the edge of drowning in an ocean of cynicism. Consider Jesus. I think that kind of brings up something that I think is the wrong way to share the gospel. Consider Jesus. It's kind of like if your life isn't going good, consider Jesus. I think what it does is say it's very similar to what I used to hear when I visit a certain church, not the one I grew up with, where it's 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 kind of a it's not a gospel of you're a horrible sinner that needs Jesus. It's a gospel mm-hmm. of if if your marriage isn't good, if your children aren't behaving, if you don't have enough money, then come to Jesus. That's not the gospel. Where did where did the floaties play into that? I I kind of got lost in there a little bit. Yeah, I think the floaties Okay, that's that's the other thing. It did say a pair are they, of floaties. It's kind of yeah. So if you're in a sea, drowning in a sea of cynicism, Jesus is your floaties. I think is what it's trying to say. Oh, okay. I got lost in the analogy. Here's I was a, trying to. Okay. Yeah. So uh, sea of oh, cynicism, and your it's floaties. kind of like you almost. Yeah, you hear that analogy oh. like you're sometimes you're in a in an ocean and they uh, throw out the lifesaver like Jesus is the lifesaver. Yeah. And but I think the problem I I see this a lot on Twitter from certain people. I'm mm-hmm. um, not in our circles, but yeah. where this idea that it's almost like a Tony Robbins 
sort of thing. Here, oh, here's yeah. an option. You know, here's mm -hmm. an here's another option. You can you can try harder and think positive. That's one option. Or you can try mm -hmm. Jesus. Yeah. You know, there's different options out there. Try Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Water metaphors are really popular. Um, I, th yeah, I think it's like going about it the wrong way. Like, Hey, like if what you're doing is not working, like you could maybe try this instead of saying like, this is it, you know, like, uh, you're dead in your sins, you know, like this is absolutely true. Jesus not, is like, your only hope. Right. Jesus is your only hope. Not like, you know, this might work. This might make things like a little better. You, it might make you a little, little less cynical. Um, that's what it, that, yeah, and that's what it sounds like to Jesus. me. That's the other thing. You don't yes. try Jesus. You I'm don't not say, sure what that means. Yeah. Right. You don't say, mm -hmm. well, I'm, I'm going to try this Jesus thing for a little bit. You know what, though? It does make sense in like maybe like an Arminian worldview where like where like you could like go to church for a little bit and like you're like kind of saved or something um, and then like you're not anymore or you know what I mean? Like you, right. you're choosing it for a little bit, you're trying it and then like you're not. But it doesn't make sense in the way we see salvation where once you're regenerate, you're regenerate and you know, no one can take you from God's hands. Like, so that's, that's why I try Jesus. It doesn't really make sense in our framework. Right. Well, I've, I've, I've seen people say, you know, I'm going to try this church thing for a little while. I actually uh, have a family member that's not a Christian at all. And it's like, you know, we're, we're going to try to go to church. You know, we have kids now. We're going to try to go to church on Sundays or try the church mm -hmm. thing. And, and that's what they were doing. I mean, I think that was very honest. They were trying the church thing, but it was separate from, from being regenerated and trusting in Christ and knowing that Christ is our only hope for salvation. Yeah. I mean, I hope that, I hope the gospel was being preached at that church. I mean, that would be really cool. I think in a lot of modern evangelicalism too, they're, a lot of these churches are not about preaching the law and preaching the gospel. They, I, I have a friend who she's single and she met another single gal and she said, Oh, you should come to come visit our church. We have a really great singles group and whatnot. And she went to the church and it was all, it was all this sort of thing, how to make your life better hmm. with using Bible verses, you know, how, where I think the Bible does give us many tools on having a better marriage and, you know, even better friendships like we talked about today. But those are all in view of the gospel. Yeah. Like you can you can experience some benefits from being a member of a church and not actually regenerate. Like there are benefits to being in the church community. Um, but you can't really experience any growth or change um, in your heart without first being changed by God. Um, and so I feel like that's what people are expecting. Like, I don't want anything about me to really change, but I want these like couple things to get better. Um, and I'm like, may maybe they will like a little, but like real true like heart change isn't going to 
to happen if you're unregenerate. Yeah. And the other thing is too, is God actually does not promise us that now that we're in him, we're not going to have any problems. That's true. We, we actually, as Christians, we're going to suffer and, Mm -hmm. and God will be glorified in that. Mm -hmm. We, we are going to have not perfect marriages because we're two sinners Mm -hmm. and our children are not going to be perfectly behaved and we are not going to have, um, fine. Not every one of us is going to have financial wealth. Yeah. Yeah. And scripture says we will suffer. Yes. Um, I just think that's not, that doesn't like tickle the ears of, of people. You know, it doesn't, it's not something I would really want to hear, you know, Hey, this thing is really great. You're actually going to get eternal life, but you're going to suffer here. Like, you know, like, you know, if you're a very worldly person, you're like, I don't want to suffer here. <laughs> right. You know, I don't want to hear that. Um, uh, without even considering the eternal, you know, cost. So, right. And not only are you going to suffer, but you need to be thankful when you do. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think hearing that if you're a non-believer hearing that you'd be like, oh, geez, that sounds awful. But like as a Christian, we're given the Holy Spirit and we're 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 able to. We're able to have joy in trials because we have like supernatural aid in doing that, you know, like like if you told an unregenerate person, hey, you need to be joyful in this trial, like. They'd just be, you know, trying You're to crazy. Try, well, they just they'd be like, okay, I'll try. You know, I'm gonna right. clench my fists and, you know, try to be joyful here. But like we're like God's gift, you know, sanctification and all that. We're we're given the ability to be obedient and to be joyful in trials in a way that that an unregenerate person would not be able to do. So it's kind of there's kind of like a balance there, I think. Yeah. You know, even in Christian circles, this made me think of something since this was a short episode, I'll just mention it real quick. Somebody wrote to me and I think this is a great, uh, an episode idea. And I think this would be great, but there's sometimes things even in Christian circles that people tend to say, but maybe are not actually biblical. And the one that, that she wanted us to, to do an episode on sometime. And I think it's, it's an example of one of those is God will never give you more than you can handle where that sounds, that sounds good, but it's actually not, it's, there's no verse that says that no. where actually we do get more than we can handle. And, and what do we do in that? We actually go to the Lord. It forces us. I am overwhelmed with my suffering or with these things in my life. And yet the Lord, I, it forces me to go to him. And the reason that we find joy in suffering is because we go to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember someone told me that when I was a new believer, I was like, what? I've heard that my whole life. <laughs> God will never give you more than I can handle. So yeah, yeah that's crazy. And guess what? Well, yeah. And I also think the problem with that is like God's handing out things, you know, handing out sufferings and, but he won't give you more sufferings. Like I'm going to hand out sufferings just as much as 
as you can handle and I'll stop once I give you that amount. I mean, I just think there's, there's so much within that. And I think there's so many of those sorts of sayings within Christianity. Yeah. And so I would say even to, to our audience is when you are trying to offer comfort to someone that's suffering, instead of these kind of platitudes that tend to be typical, find scripture that indeed addresses suffering and where our hope is in the midst of suffering and why we can be thankful even in the midst of suffering. Yeah, I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where it says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So I think that's specific to sin and that's actually a very comforting thing because, you know, when you're tempted, you know that it's not like I'm the only person in the history of Christianity to be tempted in this way. Right. Um, And, and God, God's made it so there's an escape, but it does not say trials there. Right. He won't give you trials, um, you know, beyond what you can handle. Cause when, when we're in a trial that, seems like I I have no idea what to do here. Like this is beyond what I'm able to deal with. That's when we're driven towards, well, we're driven towards our knees, you know, yes. it, driven to Christ when the trials are that overwhelming. Um, yeah. And also, also to scripture, you know, mm-hmm. I think of, I mean, I, I had had one year that was absolutely horrible and it indeed seemed like more than I could handle. I spent a month at Mayo Clinic and my second to last day, my brother-in-law killed himself. And, <sighs> and then a couple months later, my friend's daughter was shot. And then a month after that, she died from cancer and it was so much at once. And yet mm-hmm. the Lord used that time in my life in ways that I'm grateful for today. So sometimes we can go through very overwhelming, you know, I've had friends that just seems like it's falling apart. And at the same time, their husband loses his job and they don't have any money. And they're just, this is why we have the word overwhelmed. They feel overwhelmed. And yet it forces, it forces them in a good way to trust in the Lord you know, to feel like my life feels like it's falling apart. And yet I can trust in the Lord and I can Mm. find comfort in his word and Mm. also find comfort with our friendships. Like we talked about today. Right. So I know that, and I will just say this before we go, that going through difficult times with my friends gave us such a strong friendship. I think mm-hmm. of my my best friends. We have we have cried together. We have been there for one another through some very difficult times, illness mm-hmm. and death and marriage problems and so many different things and we have something that is so special such a special relationship because of those things. And I can see, say that the Lord even used 
the sufferings that my friends and I have been through for the good of our relationship. Hmm. That's another way that the Lord works, even in our difficult times. Yeah. Well, I hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving this week. Uh, Ashley and I will be doing an episode on Christmas coming up soon. And we've got a couple other great topics that are coming up that we will surprise you with. So, yes. so before we go, I wanted to mention, we, we mention this every week, but I'm going to be a little bit more purposeful here. We, we really need some support. And Ashley and I have some ideas of things that we want to do and we can't do them because we, we just need a little bit more support. So if you're, if you're willing to support us, there's a link on the website on this episode in, in this episode notes to our Patreon and on Patreon, for those who aren't familiar, you can, you can set it up. You can even support us a dollar a month or $2 a month or $3 a month. Yeah. And that that really helps us here here at Theology Gals. And we would ask if you enjoy our podcast, we would ask that you would prayerfully consider that. And if you can't support us, we understand that too. And we would ask that you would pray for us. Just as as we're doing this every week and different things going on in our lives, we appreciate your prayers also. So, yeah, and we have some exciting plans. So yeah, please, please support us because we'd like you guys to be a part yeah, of that. And one thing I'll, I'm just going to say one of the plans that we have, one thing we really want to do, and we've had a lot of people show interest is we want to have some Theology Gals merchandise. We want to have some shirts and coffee mugs and some things like that. So there's just some different things that we'd like to do. And, you know, unfortunately, money is needed to do some of these <laughs> things. So but we, we just appreciate so much that you even take the time to listen to us. So thank you for that. And thanks for joining us. 